1: We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State's with our instant analysis from Ohio State's. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is EJ Liddell going to crack the first team on Big Ten. Think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown.
0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Building the Buckeyes. We've got a commitment on our hands this week, which is why I'm joined by SI All-American Director of Recruiting, John Garcia. How's it going, John?
1: It's going good, Andrew. Good to be back on with you, my friend.
0: Definitely. So, obviously, the Buckeyes just landed a commitment from Florida defensive end Kenyatta Jackson, which gives Larry Johnson his first pledge for the current recruiting cycle. So, simply put, how big of a commitment is this for the Buckeyes, especially after they beat out finalists Alabama and Oklahoma?
1: Yeah, Andrew, I I think this was actually more of an Ohio State, Oklahoma deal. You know, I was at his game on Friday and and I saw something I'd never seen in 11 years of, of covering recruiting. He had an Ohio State decal and an Oklahoma decal on the back of his high school helmet. And I'm surprised I've never seen that, but I had never seen that. It's like it would be a South Florida kid kind of announcing a top two that way, uh, as opposed to just tweeting it like, like everybody else. But um, this is a huge gap for Ohio State. These are the types of kids that they have gone down uh, to South Florida to get, frankly, right, with, with the Bosa brothers, so on and so forth. And, and this is another one, at least physically, that seems right in line with, with that. I, I don't know if Kenyatta is as polished as, as the Bosa brothers. And obviously, any comparison there is, is kind of too high praise off rip. But when you talk about the frame, 6'5, 230, and being with him in person pregame, during the game, after the game, there's room to fill out here. So, as to where normally we're talking about an elite athlete, and, and Kenyatta is that right now, very curious to see how his body changes once he hits a big time strength and conditioning program like Ohio State's. But right now, the floor is. Kenyatta Jackson is an extremely physical and long edge rusher out of one of the the biggest schools in terms of prospect production in the state of Florida at Chaminade Madonna. Uh, He he was partially responsible for uh, a dominant win over a very good Gulliver team on Friday night. He had two sacks. He lived in the backfield. Uh, It was just kind of easy for him. And, And when I'm looking at pass rushers, there's certain positions where it's like, it should look easy at certain times. I think uh, ball carriers on offense that are legitimately power five prospects and pass rushers in particular, there should be flashes of dominance and it should look easier than than we're used to. And all of that checks out with Kenyatta Jackson. He's matured a lot. He's a team captain, which I think for, for a kid down there where, where he's on a team with so many elite prospects, including another Ohio State commitment in Ryan Turner, to be a captain there says... A lot about the, the type of growth he's had. He's not one of these South Florida kids that's run around to all different schools. He's a homegrown four-year guy at Shaman Madonna. And I spoke to his coach Damon Jones after the game. And he said this is a program-changing recruit. And Damon has been around elite prospects for a long time. He was at Shaman Madonna. And before that, he was at Hollandale, which sent all those kids to Utah, Tyler Huntley, Zach Moss. All of them, Moss, uh, both of them in the NFL right now. So when a a coach like that says this is a program changing type recruit, you tend to listen, um, especially because this is a state champion coach. He's not hyperbolic very much. Um, And I was kind of surprised when he gave me that quote on Kenyatta, but you could see it on display every time you see the kid and physically there's so much more to, to go with his development that it's so intriguing a no-brainer take for any school in the country and, and for us a no-brainer SI99 recruit
0: yeah and you just mentioned right there that he's a he's a top 99 player but I feel like he doesn't necessarily get the same kind of publicity maybe as an Omari Abor you know or an, an I white why do you think that might be that's a good
1: question um you know obviously Abor plays in in Texas right where you know it's all about high school football, the, the media coverage in South Florida, despite having the most fertile recruiting ground in America is not quite the same. Um, and compared to white, he's not as, as well-traveled, you know, he took his trips kind of business, businessman like in June. And it really didn't take a whole lot of trips after that. Not a whole lot of game visits uh, it was kind of quiet really about his business on Friday nights Took the three officials; those were his top three schools, and it was all about the evaluation, kind of thereafter. Um, so I think Kenyatta's a quiet kid, or I know Kenyatta's a quiet kid. So I think that's part of it as well. Um, really, uh, kind of a, a student first, captain like type kid. So doesn't really care about about all that social media and the buzz and all that. He's about his his team on Friday nights, you know. And and again, we got to see it up close and personal on Friday. He is a business like kid who just wants to to go out there and get the job done so I think off the field a lot to like about Kenyatta as well and I think that's part of the reason why he doesn't have as much maybe social media buzz as as Abel or Anai White and and some of these guys that are either more active on social or just busier with visits
0: to that point it kind of feels as if Ryan Turner's teammate is very similar to that and it's kind of funny then you know in that case they both end up with Ohio State and they both took their official visits at the same time back in June. And do you think yep. that really like played into, you know, them ending up at the same school?
1: 100%. Um, the, the two are close. They spent time pregame and post-game together. When I was there, obviously took the trip together. And, you know, Chaminade's one of these power programs in the state of Florida, Andrew, where there's a lot of travel uh, in the off season. There's a lot of cohesiveness that's created because you're, you're just spending more time with each other. You know, they, it's a private school. They've got a couple of resources, um, you know, at their back, which helps to, to travel and, and build kind of that chemistry with the team. And, and, and you, could, you could really see it extrapolate on Friday nights. And for some, um, you can see it projected onto Saturday. So I think that absolutely helps. The Ohio State reputation in South Florida is extremely strong. We all know the vulnerabilities uh, of recruiting the area relative to the local programs, right? Miami, even the other in-state schools, Florida, Florida State, um, everyone's been been able to go pick and prod down there and Ohio State's done as good a job as anyone you know Ohio State Clemson Alabama come to mind as as three recruiting powers Georgia as well who have all dipped into Miami very consistently and uh, for Ohio State to have two you know Chaminade Madonna Lions headed in I think says a lot about the long-standing reputation at Ohio State uh, as well as um, you know shooting your shot with the best, which Ohio State always does.
0: And I really think you made an excellent point there, too, especially with where Florida, Florida State, and Miami are as programs right now. It feels like those kids, you know, aren't necessarily, one, wanting to stay home, but then, two, kind of more right for the picking, if that makes sense, just because of where those programs stand. You know, kind of moving forward then, do do you feel like Ohio State has this in the bag where they don't have to necessarily worry about a typical South Florida recruitment, or is this something that, (laughs) you know, despite that, you know, maybe they're still going to have to recruit these kids for another two, three months.
1: Yeah, you always wonder about that with with Floridians in general, right? There's so many schools close to home. There's so many college coaches, now that they're back on the road, that are stopping in. And heck, at at his game Friday, Penn State was there, Pitt was there, Georgia Tech was there, FAU was there. Uh, I mean, he's going to be seen and evaluated and and pretty much loved by college coaches. But judging how he handled the process leading up to the commitment – I would say this is a secure pledge from Kenyatta. Again, he's, he's not a big social guy. I believe he signs in December, which is, you know, December 15th is, is less than two months away now. I think this is all but wrapped up uh, as far as I can tell with Ohio State. Typically, you don't commit this late in the game and, and then make a change, especially when you, again, visited all your contenders, right? He's been to Bama. He's been to Clemson. He's been to Oklahoma, which was, again, for me, kind of the number two in this race. And they've, they've also in their own right, done a good job in South Florida, their best defensive player, Nick Bonito is, is a Fort Lauderdale guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think picking Ohio state and Ohio state kind of, kind of emerging earlier in the summer as the team to beat in this recruitment tells you a lot about their standing. And, and to me tells you that this won't be one to worry about down the stretch.
0: You know, obviously with, with the schools that you named, those are really the cream of the crop in college football. And for then Ohio State to kind of win that battle against those schools, what do you think it was about Ohio State that specifically spoke to to Kenyatta and why he chose them?
1: Well, let me pull from from uh, geography and let me pull from another kid in South Florida I, I saw this week, Shamar Stewart, you know, uh, an 11, another elite South Floridian. When I brought up Larry Johnson, I mean, he just said, he said he's a legend and it's a once in a lifetime opportunity to play for somebody like that. So I think that combined with the history of not only defensive ends, and we we can really roll down the list here, but specifically in South Florida, all of that, you know, connects with a South Floridian. Um, These kids don't grow up dreaming of playing for Miami or Florida or Florida State anymore because none of them had really won in their lifetime. You know, the Tebow Urban Meyer run at UF was kind of done when they were, children or young children, maybe even before they fell in love with football and the Jameis Winston FSU run feels like it's even longer ago because of how, how far FSU has fallen. And there's just a certain caliber of kid who isn't even going to consider uh, a school like that, given the last couple of years uh, in Tallahassee. So the door is wide open and, and these kids at a younger age, and again, high profile recruit from an early age at a high profile program who travels those kids are getting Ohio State offers, you know, a year, two, three years ago. Um, so the, the relationship is fostered and all of that extra fluff uh, with, with the reputation of Johnson and what Ohio State's done at that position, it, it's just hard to compete against. Um, and and there's, there's, there's a structure there with Ohio State that really doesn't apply with Alabama and Oklahoma, the other finalists at that position. Um, with the coordinators, with the structure of the coaching staff, and obviously with Larry himself. So all of that, uh, I think, was, was really hard um, to, to go against, and, and it's
0: part of the reason why OSU won out. Let me tell you, though, it, it kind of is hard to believe it's been that long since Miami was relevant. Like, I know it was only, you know, 2002, 2003, but it doesn't seem that long ago. But then when you look at it from the standpoint of these kids as they're making their decisions, like, many of them weren't even born at that point in time. So All can, of them at this yeah, point, right? Yeah, if they're they high can. school recruits,
1: they were not born the last time Miami was even in consideration for elite status, much less winning national titles. And and that's what's really hard to explain to the the typical South Floridian who's you know our age or older because they they've seen five and, and should have been six probably national titles. I don't know if I should say that on this podcast, but you know it it's it was a truly dominant stretch where even when you weren't winning the natty you were right there kind of like Alabama Clemson Ohio State right now right I mean it's like even if you're not number one you're you're, you're knocking on the door so it's really it's really hard for that group to um, to swallow and to deal with but it is the truth I mean these kids have no true knowledge beyond documentaries or YouTube of Miami being a top tier school and again it's crazy to say it out loud but it's absolutely true
0: it seems like that's really the case in recruiting though is there's there's a lot of what have you done for me lately it doesn't matter you know all these you know these these schools can speak about tradition and things like that but if if they're not winning national titles or competing and and playing in the playoff or winning all these various individual awards or being first round draft picks like you're not going to get these kids
1: Plain and simple. Um, if, if it's not about winning like it used to be when I first started covering recruiting, it's about reputation and, and sending guys to the league. So all of that stuff usually correlates. Um, and Miami's been able to send a couple guys early, but they weren't superstar homegrown kids for the most part. You know, a couple were transfers uh, and a couple were kind of sleeper recruits. So your high profile Kenyatta Jackson types have have been leaving South Florida since you know, Amari Cooper and those guys started to Teddy Bridgewater Lamar Jackson. I mean, it's just, it's for a decade now, these guys have just left South Florida for the most part. And the homegrown superstars hadn't necessarily panned out if they did go against that trend. So uh, it's, it's an easy pitch to make if you're Ohio state Clemson, Bama, Georgia, really those four uh, maybe Oklahoma as a, as a four B have been able to do it consistently, and particularly on the defensive side of the ball.
0: For sure, and there's another program out on the West Coast, USC, that is kind of in a similar similar situation just because, you know, people our age watched, you know, Reggie Bush and, and Matt Leiner and the winning streak there, and it's like it's hard to wrap your mind around USC not being that program anymore. But then when they have a commitment like Devin Brown, quarterback, you know, and then other schools are getting involved, like Ohio State, who just offered him earlier this week. You start to wonder, like, can schools flip him from that? And specifically when it comes to Ohio State, how, how do you feel about their chances of flipping him from his pledge?
1: It's going to be really interesting. I think, um, you know, Devin, Devin has always wanted to play at USC. He's an Arizona kid. I know he's playing his ball in Utah as a senior He's an Arizona kid and USC was really the first big time program that said, you know what? You got the green light. So he took it uh, over a year ago when he was still honestly, not a great high school quarterback. I mean, he was a good one. You could see the traits, but the production wasn't there. So it was a really nice eval from Graham Harrell and he always wanted to play at USC. So it, it was an easy early commitment to gain, but as his profile has risen big off season at the elite 11 um, for the most part was right there with Quinn Ewers all off season at at these big events. And then he's like the nation's leading passer as the season gets going. It's really hard to ignore. And a lot of schools have been in on it, right? Um, Ohio state, Texas, Ole Miss, um, you know, schools with a big time quarterback reputation um, even UCLA local schools, trying to trying to flip Devin. So I think now with the coaching change at USC, the day it happened, he told me I plan on being a Trojan, but I don't know what that new staff looks like. Mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of quarterbacks they value. And, and there are a lot of examples of big time quarterbacks that kind of got screwed by the coaching change and the new staff either didn't like them or kind of continued to, to recruit them. But with the thoughts of I'm going to go get my guy, right? A lot of these, these coaching hires are quarterback driven. So I think of Florida, Dan Mullen, Matt Corral was committed to the Gators at the time. Dan Mullen gets the job and he's like, eh, I want to go get Emory Jones. That's, that's my guy, which is, you know, looking back, obviously the wrong choice, but the Corral gets dropped and he, you know, he falls into Ole Miss's lap. So I don't think this is the case with Brown. I think whoever the new USC coach is, will value him and try to keep him and, and the, the coaches there right now are, are doing their best but he said it when we spoke this week and he said oh an Ohio State offer is different like it feels differently than all the other offers he has the Ole Miss one is nice they're doing big numbers with, with a west coast quarterback right now with Matt Corral to tie that all together um he's familiar with USC sure Texas is intriguing with that new staff. Um, he hasn't taken a visit, so we'll see. But the Ohio State one, his tone changed talking about OSU. And, and I would imagine spending a week with Quinn Ewers, he's got a relationship with him and, and kind of understands um, a little bit more about the Buckeyes than, than some of these other schools on the list. Um, so I do think this is going to be a major player uh, in, in this battle. And, and if Ohio State has attrition in the quarterback room, which You tell me I'm assuming is expected. I think that will will help the case for for Ryan Day and company. And he really respected Coach Dennis coming out to his uh, his like rainy, nasty practice and sitting there throughout the entire practice to, to watch him throw last week. He gets the offer the next day from from Dennis and day. And, and he's kind of pumped and, and it's just a matter of setting that visit for for Devin, because he did admit that these visits are going to be the key uh, for this final decision. But as more schools come in as more big schools come in, you could see him ending up somewhere other than USC, especially because they can't really hire anyone and, and get him recruiting um, still for another six weeks. It's going to be really close to that early signing period and, and Devin is an early grad early enrollee. so. I think um, Ole Miss, Ohio State um, in particular, could be in really nice position here. He already visited Ole Miss and he'll visit Ohio State in Texas. So it could very well come down to those few.
0: I think it's really interesting to hear kind of West Coast kids talk about Ohio State being that offer that is different. You know, traditionally you have USC is out there, then Oregon has kind of made a splash just because of, you know, it's kind of that newfangled thing or whatever. It, it kind of reminds me a lot about what Chris Olave kind of said about when Ohio state started recruiting him, you know, he had uh, USC, Utah, and UCLA after him, but then when Ohio state came in and that, that was just the thing. And I think I get the, kind of the sense here with Devin Brown, you know, obviously he's committed to USC. He grew up a USC fan, but at the same time, maybe it's one of those things where he says, Hey, I just got to get away. I see what Ohio state is doing. You know, maybe I have to, you know, compete with Quinn Ewers or those kind of things. But at the same time, that might be the best position for him moving forward. And that kind of sometimes outweighs a fan, you know, being a fan for, for however long.
1: 100%. You know, the fandom gets you in the door, especially early. But, yes, yeah, time goes on. These are quarterbacks. These are, these are smart kids, right? These are program leaders, you know, face of your program kind of kids. Um, and I think what has helped him open his eyes is, one, he's already – gone away from home he was playing in utah with corner canyon high school uh, which had zach wilson jackson dart the last few years big time school and they run a pure spread up tempo, quick calls go 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 so his perception of his own ability has changed in the last six months in addition to his profile rising at the same time so you know we talked about kenyatta jackson being business like every quarterback has to be business like and how they go through the process and the offenses that are proven to work in that up-tempo style I think are going to get the benefit of the doubt which is why I pointed to Ole Miss and, and Ohio State kind of being to me the top group at the end of the day once he takes the visits right because he's not going to hate the visit um and he's in Utah so he's 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 a, a southern kid or, or a southwest kid from Arizona but he's obviously about to deal with the cold so I don't think that's going to detract him from Ohio state. So I think him already having left home and had to, you know, Hey, I gotta be a little bit more mature now. And, and going through the cold, going through the coaching change and a scheme change for his own skill set points him to established quarterback cultures, like Ohio state, like Ole miss Texas could be there by the end of the year, but you know, things aren't as hot there at at UT. So I do think he wants that structure, uh, which, which again, when it goes back to USC, do you, does, does the new coach retain Graham Harrell? Is the system similar? Uh, most people expect USC to go for an offensive name. So there's really no guarantee that that type of, of passing attack will be retained by by the new regime. So it's um, it's really touch and go. But I think the structure, the establishment, the consistency of Ohio State at that position, plus the visit, is going to resonate here.
0: I think you made a really good point, though, when you said kind of just his perspective of his own abilities has changed and just kind of who he is, because I think that that's a really big part of it as well. When you sit there and you say, "Okay, well, I've been a fan of this program forever. I've always dreamed of myself playing at this program. And then you see Ohio State and Ole Miss racking up all kinds of points and all kinds of offensive yards and, you know, being in the West Coast quarterbacks, too. Exactly. And then being in the conversation for Heisman Trophy, like those are all things that he's going to consider. And then he's going to obviously see how that ends up. And if he's planning on making a decision in December, you know, those visits, like you said, are going to be very crucial.
1: And there's no plan to go back to USC. He was there at the Stanford game, which is basically what got Helton the boot. And he has no plans to be back, which I thought was really interesting. So he basically hasn't gone back for a live look at the interim staff and how they're handling things obviously you could watch on tv and all that stuff but there's no plans to go back which i think is kind of telling you know if, if he was if he was an la kid who could just kind of stop by fine but he's an arizona kid and now he's a utah kid technically so you can't really just pop over for for a quick trip um so i think usc's going all in to try to keep him, but i think even they know that this thing's up in the air they've kicked the tires on some other quarterbacks on the West coast. They hadn't offered any, as far as I can, can tell, but they've, they've been in communication with some others. So I think that tells you a little bit about maybe the worry of losing a a Devin Brown. And and I would imagine that was um, punched up a little bit. Once you see Ohio state and and the visits to Ole Miss and and Texas involved, I would imagine that USC is probably trying to create a, a plan of contingency
0: here. I'd say once that Ohio State offer got made public, I'm sure that they were not, not too thrilled with, with where their quarterback room is sitting moving forward. So, you know, moving on, I want to last talk about uh, Iowa safety, Xavier Wankla, who just announced last night that he'll make his, his college decision between Iowa, Notre Dame, and Ohio State on December 8th. He obviously took an official visit with the Hawkeyes last weekend, and then he has unofficial visits scheduled for South Bend and Columbus over the next two weeks. So how do you see that one kind of playing out over the next two months?
1: This is gonna be a fun one. I, I think it's a lot tougher to decipher than Kenyatta Jackson, for instance. Uh, I think this one is really up in the air. feels a little bit more like, like Devin Brown's. Um, the difference is he's got more familiarity really with all three of these schools, right? They're all Midwest programs. They're all semi-local. But I think separating to these three, um, and saying no to AM, which I thought with Mike Elko was going to be kind of a sneaky pick here because they're in it for all the top safeties right now. It seems like AM is. So to, to have him kind of move on from them, I thought was really interesting. I thought they were a bit of a dark horse. Um, but now, you know, we hear more Ohio State, Iowa. I think the Notre Dame visit will be kind of the last ditch effort from the Irish. And look, they've got the easiest sell on the field, right? Hey, This is Kyle Hamilton. Look what he's going to do. Come replace him. But with a kid like Xavier, I don't think it's that simple. I think if it was, he'd be committed already, Uh, maybe a long time ago. He would be uh, verbally committed. Uh, Like I said, there's extreme familiarity with a lot of these programs and he's going to get a closer look at at the other two. But I, I see this as kind of a classic. Do you go with your head? Do you go with your heart? kind of decision um Ohio State obviously has a reputation in and of itself with defensive backs Um, I think just as as easily as Notre Dame could sell Kyle Hamilton Ohio State can sell hey you know our our secondary maybe hasn't been what what it used to be come come help us get back to what we know um especially at safety so I I think there's always a sell with with these programs but I, I just see this as more of a do you go with your head, which is Ohio State structure, all the stuff I said about getting out of Jackson kind of applies here uh, to, to another SI-99 recruit, or do you stay home? Do you Are you going to be that Hawkeye recruit, um, and Iowa U- recruits in a unique way, and their defensive reputation is similar, right? You, you always know that group is going to show up, um, and they produce on that side of the ball, not only at the collegiate level, but even uh, going to the NFL, I would say more than people realize, are you going to be that guy who stays home for them? Or are you going to go where the competition is is a little bit better every day in practice and and play against your, you know, your hometown school? Uh, And I don't think that's easy. And I think that's why he's allowing himself a little bit more time. I I wouldn't be able to peg the recruitment at this time, other than it feels more like an Ohio State-Iowa battle, maybe in that order, but it's close, uh, which means that things can change. And I thought Iowa getting the last official visit was really interesting here, right? Um, we were talking about with Devin Brown that he can't just pop over to uh, USC. I mean, Xavier can just pop over to Iowa, so I thought them getting a late official visit. Um, was was really intriguing, with uh, him valuing the the hometown program, um, and and we still got a long way to go um, for his verbal commitment. So I think it could still move in either direction. But I think um, I would be surprised if he ended up at Notre Dame. At the end of the day, this this again feels more
0: like a, a Big Ten battle. I did think that the the timing of his official visits were really interesting. One in that. You know, he has those visits to Notre Dame and Ohio State coming up. So it kind of nullifies, in my opinion, the, the hoopla of, of it being an official visit to Iowa because it's really just boom, 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 back to back to back, as opposed to being like a very clear, you know, defined official visit where he doesn't have anything else around it. And Iowa had the last kind of say in that respect. At the same time, his official visit to Ohio State in early June was with every single commitment in the class, and several other top targets, including Zion Branch, who's another safety target of theirs. And I think that, in my opinion, what that, that's ultimately going to come down to is, you know, you talk about the playing at home, playing for Iowa, you know, the, all the stuff that comes with that. But I think there's there's a sense that he he finds a little bit of home with the Ohio State commits, if that makes sense, just because they're all so close, mm-hmm. you know. And if you if you watch them talk or or see how they interact on social media too. You'll see CJ Hicks always, always tweeting it at Xavier. And it's kind of one of those things where they're just building that, that, that relationship that kind of seems like that will ultimately be what wins him over.
1: And it very well may be. Um, you know, the, these recruitments are hard. Uh, these recruitments are very hard. Uh, Ohio State's proven that they can go out and win them. Um, so it's easier to give them the benefit of the doubt but I think what it's, you know, within the same conference, it does make it a little bit harder. Um, this is probably the best recruit in Iowa. And I mean, you would know better than me up that way in, in, in several years, I would say from from my perspective. Um, so are you how, how do you deal with that? Um, you know, down south, we see it in, in kind of that SEC footprint a lot. Right. Kids from Auburn High School that end up at Alabama, like they deal with different stuff. Mm-hmm. Dylan Moses committing to Alabama from Baton Rouge and getting death threats. You know, I don't think it's going to be like that in Iowa, Um, but it is something to consider in the day and age of social and and all that stuff. So I think there's a lot of factors here, but, but again, for me, it just comes down to, do you go with your head or do you go with your heart? And um, you know, I've only talked to him once and he's, he's an articulate kid. He's seems like a thoughtful kid. Uh, And that doesn't help me try to make a prediction on this recruitment. So it's going to be very fun to watch down the stretch. And, um, and again, like you said, every school's going to get their shot um, here down the stretch as well. So um, you wonder if December 8th, you know, that's right in that coaching carousel window. So you're curious to see if, if there is some movement with some assistance, which at, you know, if all things are kind of close and then boom, one of your positional coaches or coordinators moves on, not saying I have any scoop on that, but yeah, you, you never know um, late in the game. There's going to be a lot of movement in the carousel as LSU has shown as USC. I think Miami could come open and there's gonna be a lot of dominoes this year. So committing so close to that part, I think could be a sneaky uh, play here uh, at the end of the race as well. So a lot of eyes will be on this. And I think leading up to it, I don't I don't think we'll get more clarity after these visits. I think it's it's going to
0: come basically when the world finds out where he's going. I'd say he's going to say all the right things up until December 8th yeah. and yeah. not gonna give anybody any hints. I think so. Along those same lines I think it's 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 probably more important for Iowa to actually win this battle just because of he he's also the teammate of Caden Proctor who's one of the top offensive linemen for next cycle. Right. So I think that you know it's going to go a long way in, in terms of how the big 10 kind of shakes out in that respect, moving forward.
1: That's a good point. That's a good point. You never underestimate uh, peer recruiting. I think coach to, to prospect recruiting is, is always kind of what it is, but with the peer recruiting, you never know um, how that could sway and swing phase and things. And, and these kids are as close as they've ever been because um, it's year round and recruiting is earlier than it's ever been. So yeah, that's a, good, that's a very good point to bring up. You never know how all those little data points can push things one way or the other.
0: Absolutely. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of Building the Buckeyes. For John Garcia, I'm Andrew Lane. Thanks for listening.